I'm glad to be here and glad to fill in for Wes this morning. Um, he's in Estonia, and he and uh, several other people are, are serving there. I'm thankful for the opportunity this morning to talk to you guys uh, about the prodigal son and, and finding our way home. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like for us to pray. So if you would please pray with me. Father, we come before you this morning and are so thankful that we get to worship you, that we get to honor your name, that excellent name that we just sang about. Yeah, there's lots of things going on in our lives, and a lot of times we lose sight of you, we lose our focus of you. Father, I ask that you would help us to remember as we leave here later today and as we go out in our week that we would be reminded of how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much you want to celebrate us. God, you are always seeking us. You are relentlessly pursuing us, and we are so thankful for that because we are lost people, God, and we need you. We need you so much. We thank you for just everything that you've blessed us with, with the air in our lungs, the physical blessings, spiritual blessings, God, it, it all gives credit to you. We want to honor you today as we dive into your word. We thank you for Luke and his inspiration from the Holy Spirit to, to write down the things that he wrote down about Jesus' life. God, help us to open our hearts and our minds to the things you want us to hear today. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. You no, know, we like to celebrate things. We like to celebrate lots of things. Um, for instance, we like to celebrate anniversaries. Uh, we like to celebrate birthdays. We like to celebrate different holidays. I mean, we're coming up on the holiday season. Lots of things to celebrate. Some of you that have kids love to celebrate that you get your kids bathed and in bed at a decent hour. I know I am. Some of you like to celebrate Taco Tuesdays. Lots of different ways to celebrate. And I was looking at different holidays or different things that people celebrate, and there's some pretty odd ones. Today, October 6th, is National Transfer Your Money to Your Daughter Day. And so if you have daughters, they might be asking you for something. If you are a daughter, it's time. Today's the day. Today is also National Coaches Day, and so if you're a coach, we want to thank you for sure for all the hard work that you guys put into that. Uh, today is also National Noodle Day. Not a big pasta guy, but you could celebrate noodles if you wanted to. And then a week from today, October 13th, is National M&M Day. And I love M&Ms, so I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait for it. We like to celebrate lots of things, whether they be silly or serious, but there's always a reason to celebrate. We love the, the company. We love having people over at our homes. We love to spend time together and I believe that Luke chapter 15 talks about celebration. It's the account of three parables, each of which describes the finding of a lost item and the joy and celebration that follows that. I have uh, three daughters, and my middle daughter, Eden, she is almost three. Right now, she is in love with the, the show Sophia the First. And Sophia the First, if you don't know, um, is a story about this girl who becomes a princess, and 
It's a really very interesting uh, show. But she gets this necklace, necklace, excuse me, this amulet that allows her to talk to animals, which would be awesome. I would love that that necklace. But she she gets this amulet necklace that allows her to talk to animals, and she wears it all the time. Well, Eden loves this show, and so she likes to wear her princess dresses all the time, and she won't take them off. We'll go to the store, even when she's wearing it. It doesn't matter. But she loves to wear her princess dresses, and of course, she loves to have her necklace on all the time. And there are multiple necklaces all over our house. But as you could probably guess, with a two-year-old, almost three-year-old, she loses things from time to time, and or we lose them. Um, <laughs> she has these necklaces, and, and we do sometimes don't know where they're at. Sometimes she hides them. Sometimes we take them away and hide them. But she loses them, and she's in a frantic panic where she's got to find this necklace. She's got to find where her amulet is. Where's my amulet? Where's my amulet? And, uh, and so we go, of course, and look for it, search for it, and we eventually find it. And she is so excited when she finds her necklace. She's so excited. I mean, you can see the joy on her face. You can see that this is everything to her because she wants to wear it to bed. Again, if you come over to her house, she's going to be wearing that princess dress, going to be wearing that necklace, That's just what her thing is right now. And it's awesome. And it's a great uh, just illustration of the joy of a child. Again, Luke chapter 15 talks about joy. The Pharisees, really all throughout the book of Luke, do a good job of, of mocking Jesus. Mocking Jesus for lots of different reasons. One of which is that he likes to spend time with sinners likes to spend time with the outcasts. Pharisees, teachers of the law, they, they like to go out of their way to not spend time with those people. But Jesus, he cares about those, those people. He cares about the outcasts. He cares about the people who society deems not worthy enough, who society says is, is lost. Don't worry about them. Jesus loves to care about those people, about the hurting, about the broken in fact, many times he describes the people that he's around as sheep without a shepherd. And he is that shepherd. Jesus is the one that wants to, to be that for them, to be that for us. So I want to pick up in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on its shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Then she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, 
There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Raise your hand if you have ever lost something. It's everybody, okay? Everyone's lost something. Some of us lose our minds. Some of us lose other things. We've all lost something. And again, these stories have this dialogue and describe things that are being lost. The lost sheep represents people who are unsaved. And Isaiah 53 talks about how we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Which is why Jesus sees the people as sheep in need of a shepherd. The shepherd here represents God. And I know none of us are shepherds. None of us probably lose coins that often or really care if we lose a coin. So I wanted to try and find some modern illustrations. The first one is pets are a lot, uh, pets are important to a lot of people. And so let's just say if you had 10 dogs, now if you have 10 dogs, we have Dave, he's our counseling minister, he'd be happy to sit down with you. (laughs) You have 10 dogs and you lose one of them. Wouldn't you go and leave the nine that you have at home and go and find and put flyers all over the neighborhood trying to find, doing everything you can to find that one dog. And when you do, you put it in your car, you take it home, and you celebrate with your friends and say, finally, I found my lost dog. Or maybe you're not a pet person. Maybe you have different things in your house that are valuable to you. What if you had a pair of diamond earrings that someone gave you that uh, was very important to you, someone that, um, that you love very dearly, and you, you lose one of them. You would turn your whole house upside down trying to find that. You would call everybody in your family saying, hey, I lost this. We've got to find it. It's very important to me. And when you find it, you'd say, let's celebrate. This is awesome. And your husband would say, I'm not buying you any more diamond earrings because you keep losing it. Both parables, the owner... And, the shepherd, the woman, they, they seek diligently and persistently to find what they lost. And these parables aren't about having to correct the sheep for getting lost or get mad at the coin for getting lost, but it's about the joy the shepherd and the woman have in finding their treasured possessions. It's about the joy that they have in finding their treasured possessions. God and the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. There's celebration for every victory, for every person who was in jeopardy and and is is now rescued. Jesus puts the emphasis on these two parables as something is being sought out, which is lost, and, and finding it. And the celebration and the discovery is a is a joyful event. It's a joyful event. Something that was lost is now found. Again, we all raised our hands. We all lose things. I've lost plenty of things. And one thing that I have lost many times is, for some reason, we have like four or five remotes for our TV. I don't know if you guys have more more than one remote, but we have one remote that we use for our TV, one remote we use for our DVD player, one remote that we use for our VCR. I still have a VCR. That's right. Um, It still works, too. I should sell it on eBay. I don't know. Anyway, um, we have a remote for our TV, and one day, 
we were like, where's the TV remote? And we looked forever for that TV remote. I mean, we looked in the couches. We looked in all the girls' toys. We looked outside. We looked everywhere. Couldn't find it. Okay, a couple days passed. We're like, well, let's look again. You know, sometimes you need some space, some time to look for something so you can find it. Still couldn't find it. A week goes by. Still can't find it. A couple more weeks go by. And finally, almost a month later, you know, guess where it was? It was in the couch cushions where we looked the very first time. But we could not find that TV remote. And of course, it was exciting because we could finally have to just sit in our chair to turn on the TV rather than have to walk up there. It was, you know, a lot less work. But we were very excited to find that, that remote. And it made me think about, okay, a necklace that Eden loses, different things that we lose from time to time, TV remote. Do those things really matter? Not really. I mean, we should seek and, and search for opportunities to help and to serve the lost as, as passionally as we do as when we, when, we, when we lose our phone or when we lose the TV remote. Where's that passion for the people that don't know Jesus? And it's not that it's bad to, to look and, and search out for the, a nicer car or for a better house or maybe just for new clothes and, and find the best deals. That's not wrong, but we should use that same passion, use that same diligence to find the people that are lost and to, to serve them and to let them know who Jesus is. Because Jesus' mission in Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus was on and is on a search and rescue mission. That's what the kingdom of God is really like. So this brings us to the prodigal son, the lost son. And starting in verse 11 of chapter 15, it says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, love that. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. 
Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, was, <clears throat> has, because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became, became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never have even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But the son of yours, who was squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, and, it kills, and you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. Again, this may be a parable, a story that you have heard, heard a hundred times. But I want you to focus on the celebration, the joy that is throughout all three of these parables. The joy of something being found after it was lost. The joy of something that was dead and is now alive again. You see, the younger son, well, he was lost. And he realizes he is lost as he's sitting there in the mud with the pigs. It's a sobering moment. It's a sobering moment for him because he thought that he was going to live his best life. He was going to take everything that his father gave him and he was going to live however he wanted to. But then the money started to run out. The friends started to go away. The famine comes. And he finds himself in a very difficult situation. It's a sobering moment and it's, it was hard for him to admit that, I'm sure. Hard for him to admit that Man, I shouldn't have lived this way. I shouldn't have done the things that I've done. It's hard for us to admit when we're wrong. Now, I, I tried to think of a story where I was wrong, and, and Leah, my wife, just couldn't tell me a, a reason or a, a time that I was. So I figured that was a good sign. But we all know of times that we have said something we shouldn't have or thought something we shouldn't have or did something that was wrong, that was hurtful to somebody else. But... It's hard to admit that we've done that sometimes. And this son, he has this, this moment of, I know life is going to be better if I go and just be a servant with my dad. So that's what I'm going to do. Then we see the father's love. And it says, while he was still a long way off. I want you to imagine for a moment that the dad, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, is going out to this hill that he can oversee the road. And he goes out there, and every day he's looking for his son to come home. And every day, it doesn't happen. And one day he goes out there, and he realizes, there's somebody walking down the road. That's my son. I'm not going to wait here for him. I'm going to run to him. Because I'm so glad that he is coming home. He runs to his son, to celebrate that his son is coming home. He feels it in his heart. And when they embrace, there's so much love, there's so much kindness, there's so much compassion. 
It's overwhelming. I'm sure the son is probably just sobbing, trying to get the words out, and the father's like, hey, you're home. That's all that matters. I don't care what happened. You don't have to tell me what you did. You don't have to tell me where you went. What matters is that you're home. What matters is that you're here, and we're going to celebrate that. You are here, and that's what's most important. And again, although this, this parable teaches us a similar lesson as the other two parables does, in that something was lost and is now found, this, this parable, this story that Jesus tells is, is more about the love of the Father. The fact that the, the Father loved his Son so much. It tells us so much about what it means to come back home. It reminds us that we can stray from God. It doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter what we've done, but that we can always return to him, that he's waiting with open arms, ready to bring us back home. Nothing can pull us away from him. An essential part of God's character is the fact that he extends mercy to the undeserving. The fact that he offers forgiveness to those who don't deserve it. That's what he did on the cross. That's the message of the cross. That's the message of of active love. And I want to preface this with the fact that I'm not speaking about American justice or the American justice system. Um, And I'm very sad that both of them had to lose his life. But I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you have. But his brother, Brant. Brant John is an example of love. It's an example of mercy. I want to quote him in saying, he was sitting uh, on the testimony stand there talking to Amber And I believe this is what God calls us to do. He says, I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want for you. I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. Now, I'm not sure that I could say that. I really really don't. I I believe that that I want to, but if something like that happened to me, it would take a lot of courage. It would take a lot of faith, it would take a lot of love. But Brent was able to show that. And it's really cool. Again, if you have not seen that, inter- that interview, that testimony, I encourage you to look it up. He shows what it means to offer forgiveness. And in a difficult situation. I'm sure the father of the son that ran away, I mean, he may have had thoughts of, man, I can't believe he left. Why did he do that? I'm sure he's doing things that I would not approve of. But he still offers us that forgiveness. Because God is in the business of reconciliation. Of bringing things back together. Of bringing things back home. He is constantly working on bringing people back together. And I know it may not be you, but it may be someone you know. But we all have situations and maybe relationships we may have a relationship with someone where we haven't spoke to the, spoken to them in a number of years. Or we just, we don't invite them to our, our kids' birthday parties. We don't invite them to different things because of an argument that we had 20 years ago. And yeah, you don't remember what that argument was, but you're going to stick to your principles. You're not going to speak to those people anymore. That's not love and mercy. That's not reconciliation. 
God wants us to bring people back together because as these three parables show us, as these, these three parables show, there's so much joy and celebration when someone is, something is returned, something is found after being lost. And, and God loves to celebrate. God loves to celebrate. Being in his presence is going to be the most amazing thing, better than anything you could else imagine. And God greatly cares about his creation, and he wants to celebrate his creation. God greatly cares about the righteous. And again, the parable uh, of the son where you have the older brother, and he was doing everything right. He was, he was faithful to his father. He was faithful in his work. He, was, he wasn't taking what uh, he had been given and just squandering it on wild living as his younger brother did. But he was prideful. He was, he was prideful in that he didn't want to celebrate with his, with his family. And what we need to learn from that is that we need to celebrate with anybody, whether we think they deserve it or not, who comes back to God, who comes back and who shows that they want to live the way that God wants them to live. They're going to come back home. The righteous matter greatly to God. The lost matter greatly to God. You matter greatly to God. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know that it, we have all made mistakes. We've all done things that we are not proud of. And now, no matter how far you feel like you're away from God or how far you feel God's away from you, no matter what you've done in the past, no matter anything other than today, no matter how many times you've repeated a mistake, the key to being found is that we have to be willing to admit our sin. And that's when the celebration begins. The key to being found is that we have to be admitting our sin, and that we've done something wrong. God doesn't want you to keep being lost, which is why he sent his son. He sent his son so that you and I could be in right relationship with God, so that we could be found, so that we could come home. God sent his son so that we don't have to be lost, but that we can be found. And no matter how far, again, you feel like you are away from God, all it takes is just one step, turn around, and God's there waiting for you. God wants you to come home. God doesn't want you to be lost anymore. And what he wants us to do as a church is we, he wants us to celebrate those victories, celebrate the people who have come back from being lost, come back from being dead, and become alive again. This morning you may have a need that you want to share with us, and we can pray for you. We have a room off uh, on the foyer that elders can pray for you as well. Or you can come forward that, as we stand and sing so that you can be found.